0: Let me uh, kick us off with a real quick question. Here's the question, when you think back to your childhood, what stands out as your greatest accomplishment? You can take the word childhood and run with it any way that you want to. By the way, if you're visiting with us, this is gonna be a significantly, hopefully, abbreviated sermon compared to normal. So if if you're like, oh, that was great, the, the pastor talked for 15 minutes, that's my kind of church. Just letting you know, this is phase one stuff, all right? this is. This is, we know that we have kids in here. I just want you to be emotionally prepared for that. So, when you think back to your childhood, what stands out as your greatest accomplishment? Um, when I was in the eighth grade, I was part of Science Olympiad. Any of you do like science nerdy stuff? Okay, a cup, of course, Kaylee breaks it. Um, and, and I was a part of the egg drop team. Now, everybody's done an egg drop in school, I would think. You, you, you create this device that tries to save an egg from a fall. Well, let me just let you know that you are looking at the 1992-93 state champion of the. I know, I know. It's hey, it's okay. It's all right. You know, it's 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 in the past. I haven't dropped eggs in months, and so I. I remember it was one of the times, I don't don't know if this was your life, I didn't apply myself in school a lot. Kids don't listen to that part. I just kind of cruised and that one thing, man, I applied every bit of my eighth grade engineering and ingenuity and our egg drop was so solid, we started dropping it from the roof of the school then we had to go higher than the roof of the school. And it was a legit, that's what I think about when I think back as my highest accomplishment. And when I stand here, there's not a square foot of this building. I love this about you guys, by the way. I know that as a preacher, I tend to sort of be a little more convictionary than celebratory. I think I do anyway. Um, but I just want you to know, I cannot find a square foot in this building that someone in this room doesn't have a fingerprint on. And that's not just because Robbie's over there. But but I mean, from from this to the fact that somebody in this room built this, everything that you're sitting on, somebody lovingly pulled stuff off and sanded and painted. I, I mean, the Bibles that are in the backs were put there by kids. The doors that are hung That This entire building process and property is an evidence of the fingerprint of you guys. I, I, I'm so proud of the fact that Jimmy Doherty was here and the first time he was here, he cut himself with a chainsaw. And yesterday, he cut himself with a razor blade. And I was like, this is just the best. Like. Some things never change, that you guys had packages living on your porches and in your garages for months. That is unbelievable, but I want to tell you that God gets proud of his kids too. You know, Pride is one of the seven deadly sins, so you have to be careful how you talk about pride. But uh, this will appear behind me. But we also have Bibles that don't have to be on the floor anymore. So if you want to grab a Bible out of the pew in front of you, Ephesians 2, I just want to read over this. And by the way, I know that I've lost my voice this week. There have been a couple of things going on. I've been a little tired. Um, Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 is what we're going to read, then we're going to pray. I want you to see how proud God is of his kids. For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Let me pray for just a minute. God, as we stand, sit in this room on a beautiful morning that you have created, I pray that one of the things that we would realize is that more beautiful than the sun coming up, more beautiful than the grass that has been planted, a sweeter sound than the birds that sing, are your people redeemed by the blood of the lamb, worshiping you, it is the centerpiece of your creation. And so Father, in these few minutes that we spend together, I pray that everyone in this room who is a believer, who is trusting in you, has trust in the finished work of Christ, would know the love of God that has just been sung over us, but that that is a melody that has been sung from eternity past over your children. And for any in this room that may not be your children, that have not trusted in Christ and, and ask that you would give them faith to believe, Father, I pray that you would adopt more and more kids even this morning in this place and around the world. And I ask all of this in Christ's name, amen. Now, when we look at this verse, go ahead and throw it back up. What I want you to notice is this little phrase that says, we are his worksmanship. When I think back to the eighth grade, and I think back to the egg crate and the device, I think of all of the little designs, all of the uniquities that made that egg drop work and be beautiful. And when God looks down on his children, one of the things that we can see from his word is, you are God's crafted thing. Something that he is incredibly proud of. Every one of us, good or bad, has pieces of our father tucked into us. I have pieces of my dad. If you look at a picture of my dad and you look at a picture of me, you can kind of figure it out. I can't remember why John was telling me this the other day. He was trying to describe my two older children to someone. He was describing Ellis and he was describing Thad. And he was like, man, when it comes to Ellis, he's like Will in that when he gets on the stage, he's just comfortable, he's just talking, it's kind of who he is, he's sort of smart and he thinks about things. By the way, thank you for all of the compliments. Uh, And and that's who Ellis is. Now, if if you just wanna have a crazy time and you wanna remember that day as the day you did that thing and didn't die but should have died, that's when you grab Thad because Thad has that part of will. And it's true, like all of us have little pieces of our Father, but what is beautiful about this verse is where it says this, you being God's workmanship is not your own doing that the pieces of our Heavenly Father that exist in those who are His, chil- His children are not our doing. It's something that God has tucked into that. And, and I think this is a gift. In fact, I would say God reminds us of His goodness so that we don't mistake it for our own. I, I think one of the, one of the greatest we, mistakes we can make in self-assessment is giving ourselves credit for something that only exists because of who our Heavenly Father is. God loves you too much to let you think your faith is your own doing. Hey, kids in the room, y'all look at me real quick. How many of y'all have ever shot a bow and an arrow before? It can be a little toy, right? Y'all have shot a bow and arrow? It's not the easiest thing in the world. They're kinda hard to aim. Well, I want you to imagine for a minute that I had a little bottle sitting on top of this and you were shooting a bow and arrow at the bottle, and you were trying to knock it off. And you missed, and you missed, and you missed. And then on the fourth try, you shot it, and the bottle fell off, and you started celebrating. You're like, oh, that's just the best thing ever. But what you didn't realize was that after you missed the first one, and the second one, and the third one, it became very apparent you were not going to hit this bottle. And so when you shot that fourth arrow, I just gave the table a little nudge and the bottle went over and you started celebrating. Dad stepped in to make it work. That is not what is happening here. God loves you too much to make you think that the good pieces of your faith are your own. Thad and I uh, got to go surfing uh, a year and change ago. And when we went out, I've told y'all this before, it was terrifying. The waves were just significantly too big. So big that the company gave us our money back. They were, and I don't like, yeah, it was California. Like you're paying for gas in California. And so like they gave us our money. That's how bad the waves were. But Thad rode that first wave. By the way, we only rode one wave that day because we got out and we were like, dear God, I just want to live. I just want to touch ground again. I'll kiss the sand if it happens. Thad rode this massive wave in, stable the whole time, a huge smile on his face. Because there was a guy with flippers holding onto the back of the board kicking until his heart almost exploded, holding that board up with a colossal wave at his back. That is why Thad made it all the way to the end. And it would have been so easy, if you know Thad, for him to cruise in, he's got little pieces of his dad, to cruise into the beach and be like, anybody see that? Hey, big waves, am I right? First time, first time. It would have been so easy. It would have been easy not to look around and realize that the only reason he was stable, the only reason he made it to the end, the only reason the ride was enjoyable was because somebody was holding the ground beneath his feet. That's what God is telling you. That as his child, you get to, are allowed to, are encouraged to feel the wind in your face of the mission of God cruise on a wave that you did not create, stable on a platform that you did not build as the everlasting arms of God hold you until the end. And you are his worksmanship. It is his joy to do this. Now, this is true in the life of every Christian, but I just wanna show you one example. If we go to Acts chapter nine, we can see this incredibly clearly in the life of Paul. Acts chapter 9, verse 15. Paul has just had an encounter with Jesus. He's knocked off his donkey. Jesus speaks from heaven and rescues his soul. And then he tells Ananias in a time of prayer Hey, this guy who's been persecuting Christians, killing Christians, and jailing Christians is about to come to your house. I want you to show him some hospitality. Here's what Ananias is told. Acts chapter 9, verse 15. But the Lord said to Ananias, who did not wanna do this, go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name. All right, I want every, I'll take the kids' attention too, but I really just want the adults on this, because I think we forget this somewhere along the lines, and we just think being a good Christian is reading my Bible, praying, and going to church. I want you to realize that to me, uh, to carry mine, right in front of that underline, the smallest word in that verse is my absolute favorite. Two. God looks at this man who is incredibly educated, but used it against Jesus. He had a prominent position, and he used it against Jesus. Jesus. He had all of the woo in the world. He could draw a crowd, point people in any direction he wanted. Incredible leader. And he was using it to persecute the church. And then God looks down and he says, that guy is a chosen instrument to carry my name. The reason that I love too is because God is specific with what it is that Paul is to do. And I want you to know that if you're a Christian, there is a two for you. Your calling as a Christian is not to be a good person, be a good Christian, read my Bible, go to church, etc., and so on. God has specific talents, gifts, and callings for you, and I know it because I hung pictures with about two dozen of you this week. Some of you are not called to that. It is not what God built you for. If you, uh, Crystal was saying that one of the things in in, in the Truth Spring Academy that she was, uh, or not Academy Truth Spring Training School, Trade School, uh, is that she's learned construction. If you leave this room, take a left, and you go to uh, one of the kids' rooms, the barbecue themed room, the restaurant room, she built the little restaurant for the kids. I'd encourage you to go by. She's gifted. That's one of her twos. It's probably not your two, right? We can figure it out real quick. But the reality is this. Sometime as adults in America, we submit to the fact that me being a good Christian is just me being a good Christian. And we stop saying, what is my two? I I know what mine is, at least at this point. I know that God has created me to stretch people. I've known it from the very beginning. That's the piece of that. If you have a chance to do something you've never done before and it's not gonna cause you or someone else to sin, you do it. You can always never do it again. I've been saying that since I was 18 years old. That was our, our youth ministry was based on that, right? Safety third, it's not a joke. Fun, memories, safety, and in that order. If your kids come to this church, they're gonna get splinters. It's gonna happen, promise you. And in addition to getting splinters, they might be a gritty kind of kid who ends up on the mission field. Well, one of the other things that I know that God has called me to is being able to jump very quickly from seriousness to celebration. I see that in his word. As the disciples are like, well, we're all gonna starve to death. Nobody's gonna have any fish. And then Jesus is like, bam. And they're like, no, it's too many fish. From seriousness all the way to celebration. And it goes back and forth in scripture. I know that God has called me to be an optimist. I can't even turn it off. When I'm not optimistic, that's when my wife worries about our marriage. She's like, we have big problems. Give me something. I will give you a silver lining because... I know what God has called me to. What is your to? It is unique. It is unique to you. But we also read this in verse 16. Paul, I'm calling you to this. Stephen was called to the widows. John Mark was called to write a gospel, to walk away and to come back. Peter was called to establish the church. But we read this about Paul in verse 16. Here's the other two for you, Paul. I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. Uh, day before yesterday, I, I, I was hopping in the shower and I could hear Karen Ann's podcast. She listens to the Elizabeth Elliott podcast. I don't know if y'all listen to that. It's amazing, it blows me away. Uh, and I was she, was, she was sharing the blessing of widowhood. And as soon as the title came on, I was like, oh God. Mm. Starting starting heavy at 8.30 in the morning in the hawk house, the blessing of widowhood. Elizabeth Elliot's husband was Jim Elliot. Jim Elliot was the guy who went to a native tribe in India, if I'm remembering correctly. Karen Ann was in India. She referred to them as Indians, but I can't remember. Help help me, Frank. Ecuador. Ecuador, okay, thank you. And basically spent a number of hours with the indigenous tribe there before he was killed. He got five hours, maybe, longer with them. And in God's book, Psalm 139, every one of our days was written before one of them came to be. Jim Elliot's too was to suffer for the name of Christ. And because he did, Missions grew and exploded because he did this ministry of his wife expanded because he did all of these years later. I'm watching my wife be blessed by his wife who watched the suffering of God produce something, and that's exactly what we see in the life of Christ. Isaiah 53 puts it this way But he, Jesus, was pierced because of our rebellion, crushed because of our iniquities. Punishment of peace was on him and we are healed by his wounds. That is the two of Jesus. I have sent my son to be pierced, to be crushed, to be punished, to be wounded so that my other children would find a home so that they can have a two to do as well. But that is the second most important thing. The last thing that I wanna leave you with comes out of Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 38. You'll probably know this story really well. It's the story of Martha and Mary. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. A woman named Martha welcomed him into her house, and she had a sister called Mary. So Mary and Martha had pieces of their father, and you're going to see different pieces. Stokes, you can go ahead and come on up. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, "'Lord, do you not care that my sister "'has left me to serve alone?' Hey kids, let me get y'all for just a minute. Have you ever been asked to clean up a room when your brother or sister got to play? Is that the worst thing ever? What do you say, that's not, not fair? And that's what Martha's saying. She's like, how come Mary gets to just hang out with Jesus while I've got to sweep and mop and clean the countertops and install sound panels and put in doors and all sorts. Why do you get to go listen to Jesus? But here's what Jesus said. Verse 41, but the Lord answered her. I love that he says her name twice. You can hear the love in his voice. Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about Many things, but notice the underline one thing is necessary. One thing. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. Brunner, did I give you Psalm 27? I did. In Psalm 27, we read the same phrase I have asked one thing of the Lord, it's what I desire to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. This has been a whole Bible truth. From day one in creation, and it will be true through all of the days of eternity. You have been created with a two. If you're a Christian, there are pieces of your heavenly Father that are tucked into you, uniquely into you. And yes, we need you to use that for the building up of the body of Christ here at Midtree and beyond. But that is not the most important thing. The most important thing, the one necessary thing, the one thing from Genesis to Psalms to the New Testament is this. I, the greatest thing that you could do for this church is not put blue tape on a pew, but thank you. It's not painting a pew. It's not showing up early and leaving late. Yes, please do. The greatest thing you can do is never stop falling more in love with Jesus. That's it. That is the best thing. And it changes this feeling like home to feeling like home base. The place where we gather so that we can be shot out to do the twos that God has called us to. This is so cool. This uh, picture frame was hanging up in my office, I don't know, since day one, since I've had an office. I mean, Josh and Ducky were there, basically. This was the to-do list for what? For the first year of our church. It's very little writing. Reorder children's volunteer shirts. Ask Ducky why we need Ziplocs. I don't even know what that one's about. Discuss building with leadership team and elders. Get their opinion on you being a contractor or hiring someone. I didn't plan that. I'm glad we hired someone. This is an awful lot of twos. And there are gonna be a whole lot more of these in the day to come. But this isn't the win. The greatest win is when we sit at the feet of Christ. When we allow his word to wash over us. When we sing louder than the band because you are the greatest instrument we have. When we recognize that this is a mile marker and not a finish line, and we get more excited about driving out that road than driving up this one, because we get to be the twos that God has called us to be. What a cool place to be. What a neat starting place for us to be. And how amazing to think of what God's going to do with all of the people that make up the twos of his ministry. Father, we love you. And we need you. Boy, do we need you. Would you continue to make us a people whose one thing is sitting at the feet of Christ whose one thing is wanting our hearts to be bigger and wider and stronger that with every to-do list whether it's in this building or ministries or missions whatever it is that all of those to-dos would sit on the side as we primarily love you and know that we are your worksmanship created in Christ Jesus for works which you prepared in order that we would walk in them and the greatest thing that we can walk in right now is worshiping a God who loves us enough to hold the board all the way into shore you are good and we praise you in Christ's name amen If you would stand up, that would be great. If you need prayer about anything in your life, good, bad, difficult, it doesn't matter. Tiffany is over on that side in a blue prayer shirt. I will be over on this side. Let's sing and worship and praise together.